0: church. As Kevin said, my name is Dan Vollmer, and I serve on the elder team here. I also get to lead the greeter team here at JF. Thank you. Thank you. It's greeters getting a little applause. That's good. Um, yeah, uh, Pastor John and I met in uh, the first part of December, and he said, hey, what do you think about teaching? Would you like to teach sometime? And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, that sounds, that sounds exciting. Sure, sometime. So he says, uh, what about the end of January? I was like, yeah, okay, let's do that. End of January sounds good. So um, I'm excited to be here today and to share with you part four of Fully Devoted. I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, myself and my family. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Anyone? Thank you. My wife, Rachel, was born and raised in West Virginia. Thank you. So I'm just going to give you all 15 seconds to get all the jokes out of your system. <laughs> Whatever you're thinking, go ahead and say it. I've heard it all. So New Jersey meets West Virginia, and we graduated from LU and got married. We've been married about 14 and a half years. And we have three kids. My son Jude is nine, my daughter L is almost four, and my daughter Macy May will be one in about two weeks. So we started coming to Brentwood Church in the fall of 2010. And then in the spring of 2011, we launched this JF site, and my family started coming here, and we started serving here, and uh, we love being a part of Brentwood Church. So as Kevin said, we started this series, Fully Devoted, three weeks ago, talking about how we can be fully devoted to Christ and to his church. And that first week, Pastor John challenged us to fast and pray, kicked off our 21-day fast, which ends at midnight tonight. I hope it's been a great experience for you all. I hope you have wrestled through some things. I hope, I hope God has shown up big in your lives, and uh, I hope it's been good for you. Tomorrow morning, I will meet all of you for breakfast at Chick-fil-A <laughs> or Panera. I'll give you the choice, okay? Seriously, I'm going to one of them. The second week of our series, we talked about why it's important to study the Bible and why God calls us to be fully devoted to studying His scriptures. And then last week we asked this question, which is, why is Brentwood always asking me to do something? And the answer to that question is because serving here is how you get to know people and how you get to know Jesus more at Brentwood Church. This week we're going to talk about leadership. What does the Bible say about how those who lead in the church should lead? And what does the Bible say our response to that should be? How do do those of us who follow, follow well so we're going to see how that plays out in the church but the good news is you can you can take these same principles and apply them in any area of your life wherever you go your business your home your family because the truth is at some level we all lead and at some level we all follow now before i get into that i'm going to give you a little bit of my background I was born into a Christian home, Christian family. My parents were super involved and committed to the church they went to. So we were, if you've ever heard the phrase, you know, anytime the doors are open, that was my family. So we were there for Sunday morning, and we had Sunday night, and then we had Wednesday night prayer meeting and youth group, and there were missions, conferences, I mean all of it. We were there every time the doors were open. Now my parents still go to that church today. Okay, They've been at that church for over 40 years now. Coincidentally, my wife had the exact same experience. My wife grew up going to a church that her grandfather actually f- helped to found. And my father-in-law, he's in his 60s now, has only ever gone to that one little country church. That's a little crazy, right? So my, fa- my wife, we get married, and uh, we decide we're going to, you know, we're, we start visiting some churches here in Lynchburg. We're going we're gonna to find a church home And so we settled on a church, and we went there for 10 years. And the same thing was true of us. We did the exact same thing. We were involved in Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Um, We volunteered and served on committees. We uh, volunteered for productions that they had. Uh, We helped lead capital campaigns. And eventually, I became a deacon at that church. But then there came this point where we started to feel like Maybe this isn't the church for us anymore. And this was hard because neither one of us had ever left a church before. So we had to talk about it and pray about it. And ultimately, we were were faced with a seminal question of our age that was posed to us by the clash in 1982. What was that question? Should I stay or should I go? Because you've got to let me know. It's indecision's killing me. I just lost half of you, right? You're not going to come back until you finish the song, right? Here's why, right? People change. And, and leaders change and churches change. In the 10 years that we had spent there, Rachel and I had changed a lot. And this church had changed a lot. And that's good. That's a good thing. We were both growing and we were both maturing. But we had this decision we had to decide, on this hand, is God, is God leading us to reconnect here and to just, just support the vision and the values and the leadership of this church? And don't miss this. It's because you cannot be indifferent and you cannot be unsupportive. Okay, so that's this. But on the other hand, maybe God's leading us to new vision and, and to support new values and new leadership so we prayed about it and we talked about it and it was, it, was, it was tough. But now, right here now, as I look back on that experience, what I realize is that God is very intentional about how he wants those who lead his church to lead. And he's also very intentional about how he wants those of us who follow, how we should respond to that leadership and follow well. So this morning we're going to talk about that. But let me ask you this does this ring a bell for you at all? Does this, does this sound familiar? You ever been in a situation like that? I mean, it could have been in church. Maybe it was in business, or maybe it was a situation with your family, or nonprofit or something else like that. There was a certain period of time where you were all in. I mean, you were committed. But then as time went on, you started to pull away a little bit. kind You kind of detached. And maybe you didn't support the organization as much as you first did, right? Or maybe, maybe you were involved in a situation where you were under someone's leadership and then they abused that leadership. And then you were left with some scars. You had some wounds. It was difficult for you. Or maybe you're just one of those people who just never bought into the idea of leaders and followers and somebody gets up and starts talking about this and you start to get a little suspicious. Maybe you're a little bit apprehensive. You're like, hey, hey, back off, back off. That's fine. That's fine. I get that. See, the thing is, some of us find it very easy to commit. We commit and we just jump in. Sometimes we don't even know why we're doing that or even what it is we're committed to. And then there's other people that find it very difficult. It's just hard for you to trust the system. The organization, and you got to work through some things to get to that. But once again, the truth is at some level, we all lead. And at some level, we all follow. And you honestly, you know this is true. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, you know it's true. Okay, so what do we do with that? What is our responsibility if we are going to be fully devoted to Christ? And to his church. How do we learn to trust the authority of our local church? So, we're going to dive in this morning and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about what is the responsibility of those who will lead the church, and then how do we respond and learn to follow well. So, turn with me to Acts 14. If you use um, the, the, the iPhone app, if you use the, the Bible on your phone, you may not know this, but you can search through uh, for live events. And find Brentwood Church there, and all the scripture, all the notes, everything that's going to be said this morning is already preloaded in there every week. So find that if that's the thing you're using, but if you're not, get your Bible. So in Acts, uh, Acts is an awesome book of the Bible. It's, it's essentially the um, history of the origins of the church. Okay, so it starts off, and Peter preaches what is pretty much the first church service. First church service ever, Peter preaches, thousands of people believe And then this message of of Jesus starts to spread, and more and more people are are believing. And then there's Paul. Paul used to be called Saul. He was a huge, big-time persecutor of the church. Well, he has this radical encounter with God. God changes him completely, does a 180, and now he's a tireless preacher of the gospel. So Paul is traveling and he takes these missionary journeys, and, and, and early church leaders get arrested, and some of them are, some of them are executed. And some of them have this miraculous escape from their captors. It's a fantastic book. It's, it's a very inspiring and amazing story about the origins of the church. Really, it's the start of a movement that through time has led you and I to be in this room today. We're here because of what happens in Acts. Okay, so in the middle of that book, Paul and his traveling companion Barnabas. They're going from town to town. They're telling people about Jesus. People are believing. They're talking to Jews. They're talking to Gentiles. And uh, people are starting to gather together in these, in these little groups. And these little groups are what we would now kind of refer to as a church. So the people are believing. They form little groups. And so this is what, uh, this is what uh, it said. Acts 14, starting in verse 21, it says... They, that's Paul and Barnabas, they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. And then they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting. That's interesting, prayer and fasting. And committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. So here's the first thing we see, and that is that Jesus wants his church led by appointed leaders. Okay, what's that mean? What does appointed mean? Appointed means you were picked. You were chosen. You were were selected, essentially. Somebody looked out over all the options, and they said, I'm going to take that one. They picked the guy. They selected him. This happens in our society now in a couple of ways. Um, you might have a will, and in your will, you appoint an executor. There's a couple of people who can do this, you pick one, and they're going to carry out your wishes after you die. Um, somebody who's very successful in business, a CEO, they might appoint a successor. You know, they've got this company they've built, and there's two or three guys coming along behind them, and they say, oh, they're all pretty good, but that's the guy, that guy's the best. I'm going to appoint him. Or if you go to court, and you can't afford an attorney, what happens? The court appoints one for you. So think of it this way. What if I were to go up to D.C. and I walk into the Supreme Court building in Washington, D.C. and I just say, hey, look, super excited. Today's my first day. I want to be a Supreme Court justice. That doesn't work, right? I can't do that. I mean, what would happen in our system of government if that's how it did work, if anybody could do that? Let me give you a quick little civics lesson, a little test. How many Supreme Court justices are there right now? How many? Nobody's really sure. (laughs) Nine. I heard somebody say nine. Yes. There are nine justices at any given time. Okay? Did you know only 34% of Americans can name even one? And only 1% of Americans can name all nine accurately. So I'm going to make you a deal. You find me after church, you tell me all nine justices accurately without looking at your phone, do it cold, and here's my promise to you, Pastor John will take you out to lunch. (laughs) It's a great deal, right? I'll even get you started, okay? The, The oldest currently serving Supreme Court justice is Ruth Bader Ginsburg, okay? Ruth Bader Ginsburg is 80 years old. She'll be 81 this year, right? So I walk in and I'm like, Ginsburg, ah, sorry, you are 80, okay? I think it's time you pack your stuff because I'm taking your seat. Why can I not do that? Lots of reasons, really, right? Lots of reasons why that doesn't work. The first reason is I'm not appointed. Nobody picked me to do that. The people who serve in the Supreme Court, they have experience, They have a lifetime of knowledge that that lends them to be able to do that job. And when all that gets verified, they're appointed to serve. It's the same way in the church. It's the same thing. Jesus, the Bible tells us clearly that Jesus is the head of the church, the global, eternal church, and that through the wisdom and the leadership of the Holy Spirit, pastors and elders are appointed to lead. And then they, in turn, appoint other people to lead in other ministries. But like I said, this applies in here and out there, in the, in, inside the church or out in the business world. The first criteria of a leader is that they must be appointed. And so Jesus wants his church led by appointed leaders. But that's not all. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, I mentioned Peter as it relates to Acts. He essentially started a church. He preached the first church service. Tons of people believed and the gospel starts to spread throughout Asia Minor. And so there are, there are churches that we know Peter visited. We know he went there because there's a record of that. And then there's other churches that start to form, and we have, we have no idea if Peter went there or not. So 1 Peter is written to some churches that maybe Peter started, and we don't know that, or maybe people that heard Peter went out from him and continued to preach and those churches started that way. So Peter is writing to these people. He's encouraging them. He's giving them some exhortations, okay, about how they should live and how they should behave and how they should treat each other, okay? So 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1, it says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. So what's he saying? Peter is saying, look, Jesus wants his church led by authorized leaders. What's authorized mean? Authorized means that you have been empowered. It means now that I picked you, I am empowering you to do the thing I picked you to do. So Peter is writing to these guys, and pretty much what he's saying is, look, guys, the stuff you're talking about, when you tell people about Jesus and his death and his burial, his resurrection, I was there. I was physically there. I saw it. Okay, so Peter has some pretty strong authority on this topic, okay? He was, he was there. He saw it. What he's saying is, look, we are fellow elders. You and I, were partners. We're equals, okay? And so the authority I have, I am giving it to you. I'm sharing it with you. So now that I'm, I'm the authority, now you are too. Now that you're authorized, guys, come on. You've got to take care of your people. So here's my example for authorized. I am a big... Uh, Mac fan, okay? I love Apple products. I've been a Mac fan since college, so I, I use all that stuff. I agree with Andy Stanley, okay? If you know who Andy Stanley is, if you listen to him, this is something that Andy Stanley says, and he, he says, I am pretty sure that you can use a PC and still go to heaven. Just putting it out there, okay? Andy's a smart guy, so I agree with him. So what happens if I need a new battery for my iPhone? Or what if I need to replace the hard drive in my laptop? If I need something like that, what do I do? Same thing as you. I go online. I go to Google or I go to eBay. I start looking for it. And then, honestly, we try and buy the cheapest one, right? If you've ever had to do this, though, you know what happens. There are two kinds of places where you can buy this kind of stuff, right? There are Apple authorized sellers, and then there are those that aren't. I don't know about you, but I am not real comfortable buying something from somebody who isn't authorized to sell it. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe it'll break. Why should I trust them to sell it if Apple doesn't? They are not authorized. Okay, so it's the same thing with the church. Jesus says, now that I have appointed you, I am authorizing, I'm empowering you to do the work that I've called you to do. And it applies just as much in here as it does out there. Here in church, with your church leadership, out in the world, in the business world, even in your homes, nonprofit boards you serve on, the second criteria of a leader is that they must be authorized. So therefore, Jesus wants his church led by authorized leaders. Now let's finish out the rest of that section there. First Peter 5, starting in verse 2, he says, be shepherds of God's flock, that is, under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. I think right here Peter's saying, Jesus wants his church led by accountable leaders. What's accountable mean? Accountable means that you're responsible. It means now that I picked you, now that I chose you, now that I empowered you to do that thing, now you're accountable for the choices and the decisions you make. So about 10 years ago, my wife had a good friend who was getting married. And it's a friend of hers from West Virginia. So the wedding was in West Virginia. We had a full weekend of activities to attend in West Virginia. So If you've ever had to do this as a guy, it's awesome. Because one, I spent the entire weekend with people that I didn't know at all. I knew my wife and the girl getting married. That was it. So now I'm around a whole bunch of people I don't even know. And not only that, but my wife gets to hang out with this other guy. (laughs) Because she's in the wedding, right? So this whole weekend is just me hanging out with strangers. But the bride had a really good friend who was a whitewater rafting expert. He was, like the, he was like the man. He was like, he was like Captain Whitewater. Okay? So this guy decides, here's what I'm going to do. As a gift to the bride and groom, I'm going to take the entire wedding party, spouses included, on a half-day whitewater, r- 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 whitewater River rafting trip. So we, d- we spent a half a day on the lower New River. And this guy had, had done the, the golly and the new, and if you've ever been out that way, this wasn't like, you know, Golly season where they let the dams free and the water goes everywhere. This was, you know, still pretty exciting though. So we spent a day on the New River, about three or four hours, under the New River Gorge Bridge. It was all cool. So here's the point though that guy took 25 people, two or three boats, four hours on the river. He was accountable for us, right? If something had happened to any one of us, it was on him. He was responsible. Now, he did this willingly. Nobody made him do it. And he did it to serve the bride and groom. He wanted to give him something. And while we're out on the river, he's telling us what to do. And he's not bossing us just because he wants to. He's our example. We're following him for safety. It's the same thing in the church. Jesus says, now that you are appointed and now that you are authorized, you are now accountable. You're accountable to God, you're accountable to the elders, and you're accountable to the people that you lead. And once again, it applies just as much in here as it does out there. Whether you're in the church or you're in the business world, if you have been appointed and authorized, now you're accountable for the things that you say and that you do and your choices you make. So Jesus wants his church led by accountable leaders. Here's the funny thing. You can't take any one of these out, and it still works, right? You can't be accountable for something if you haven't been appointed to do it, or you can't be appointed for something and then not authorized to do it. If you take out any one of these three, it it voids a leader's ability to truly and effectively lead well. So with Jesus as the head of the church, the global eternal church, he gives us these three criteria for those who are going to lead his church individually. Now, now you're thinking, well, that's a good leadership lesson. I appreciate that. But how does, what do I do with that? How does knowing this information help me be more fully devoted to Christ and to his church? Well, the Bible tells us that when a church is led by appointed and authorized and accountable leaders, the Bible tells us how to respond. It's in Hebrews 13, verse 17. And that says, Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority. Because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. They're accountable. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. Now, I don't know if you caught all that. There's a lot right in there, right? So I'm going to read it again. Before I read it again, though, I want you to think about something. Remember what I said, we all lead, and we all follow. Think about the people that you lead in your life. Who are the people that you are leading? And then I want you to think about the people who are leading you. I guarantee what I'm going to read is what you want from the people you are leading. You want this from them. Are you giving it to the people who lead you? Here it is again. Have confidence in your leaders. Submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy and not a burden because that would be of no benefit to you. Now listen, this does not mean that a leader won't make a mistake. It does not mean that you have to agree with everything that a leader says and does because I know I certainly don't. But when there is a disagreement, you have to decide. Am I going to have confidence in them? Am I going to trust them? Am I going to submit to them? Because they've been appointed, and they've been authorized, and they're accountable for their actions. I think you need to look in your own heart. I think you need to look inside and determine, where is this disagreement coming from? Could it be that there's maybe just a lack of trust in your own heart? Could it be that maybe you have carried some of the hurts and wounds from a past leader into that experience? Maybe this disagreement is just the result of a simple misunderstanding. I think you need to search your own heart, and you have to know that because a, a leader is appointed and authorized and accountable, what is the Holy Spirit leading you to do? And I think that, I think doing that is how we remain fully devoted to the church. So think about this as you go out into your week, right? Not just here at church, but you go out into the world, you have you know, uh, business settings and stuff like that. Think about this week, you, ha- you might have a boss or a supervisor who says something or does something you disagree with, right? So before you react emotionally, before you react verbally, just, just stop for a second. Think about that person as being appointed and authorized. accountable. And then see what your response should be. And this is going to help you when you get called to lead something. Because remember what I said before. At some level, we all lead. And at some level, we all follow. Leaders aren't perfect. They're going to make mistakes. But our response needs to be, are we going to trust them and follow and submit to them? Or do we need to move on and find new leadership? And bring it back to the story I told you at the very beginning about my wife and I. So we were thinking about whether or not God was leading us to leave this church. And this was tough. We had to get all of these emotions out on the table. I don't know if you've ever had to do this, but like we had to get everything out, put it on the table. What, 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 made, what, what makes us feel like this? Or why, what led to this? Or how, how come that happened? Get it all out and look at it and... We had to decide, what of any of this is is really valid? And what of all this is just our, our personal preferences, just stuff we'd rather have? Is there anything on the table that merits a conversation? You know, like, hey, I need to talk to you. Or is all of this stuff just kind of our flesh, just wanting to be heard? Hey, listen to me. So we prayed about it. We sought some godly wisdom. And we decided it was time for us to move on. But when we did that, we did that with a deep respect for the people that lead that church. We did that with an understanding that, hey, sometimes God calls people to a certain place for a certain time. And then sometimes he calls them to another place for another time. That's not bad. That's that's healthy. So we met with a lot of the pastors there. We we knew a lot of them and we had developed relationships because of the places we had served. We said, hey, look, We know that God is using this church. We know He's growing His kingdom through this church. And we respect you. We respect the ministries that you're supporting. And as we moved on, our hearts were whole and our consciences were clear. So think about this What if we all got this? What if we all understood that because a leader is appointed and they're authorized? and they're accountable, we should trust them. Imagine an entire church where if anybody had a disagreement, the first thing they would do is they would search their own heart, they would ask the Holy Spirit for some clarification, and then and only then would they move as he directs. You know what I think would happen? I think God would draw us closer together as a body of believers. I do. I believe that God would honor and bless our commitment to be fully devoted. And who doesn't want that? I mean, you want that, right? You want God to honor and bless you, don't you? I also believe our example, the example of this church and this community and around the world, would lead us to have greater influence and greater opportunities for our church. I think you want that too. 2014 is going to be a year of expansion, and God is going to do that. It is going to happen. And I believe you want to be a part of that. This is why it's important for you to be fully devoted. So this morning, our response stations are going to be open. Maybe as I've been talking and you've been sitting there, you think, you know what? Yeah, I do have some past hurts. I've got a scar that I've just carried into this setting. It's keeping me from being fully devoted. Or maybe you've just kind of been hanging out, sitting on the sidelines. You've just been watching. And you wouldn't say this. Nobody would say it out loud. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait and see who messes up first and give me a good reason to go. Or maybe you realize, you know what, I think God's appointed me. I think I've been author. I've been empowered. And you need to respond by stepping up and accepting some new leadership role. So listen, this morning, however you feel God's talking to you, however the Holy Spirit is leading you, I want you to take the time to listen and respond. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We love that you have preserved this truth so that we can apply it, not only here in our church to make our church better, but we can take this truth out into the world and we can be better followers and better servants of you and give a better example to the world around us. Father, we pray with all of our hearts that you would make this a year of expansion. We pray that you would help us to get this, imprint this on our hearts, so that as we leave, we can can take this truth with us. Uh, Father, we love you. We commit this to you. In Jesus' name, amen.